In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome back to the podcast that's going to help you learn a little bit more about the financial world and about your own retirement, hopefully. It's the Retirement Pathfinder, Walter Storholt here alongside Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane, Retirement Income Planning Specialists at Pathfinder Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Rockford area. Barbara, we're going to let you go first today. How are you this week? Good to talk to you. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Sun's out. No rain for a while. We uh, go from cold weather to air conditioning, but I'm not going to complain. There you go. You'll be complaining soon enough and you'll be ready for (laughs) cooler weather once again, right? Hey, Phil, what's going on this week? How are you, sir? Oh, doing real well. We're able to get some crops in. We have a farm, you know, and so we're able to get some crops in right at the last minute. Hopefully we've got enough time to let some uh, sunshine grow those corn uh, buds up there to to give us a little bit of a yield this year. Hopefully. I learned something new about you today. I didn't know that yep. you were uh, that you were a farmer as well. So absolutely, just primarily corn or uh, no corn and beans. Corn and beans. And most of my stuff is in what they call a conservation reserve program, where we put it on the side for habitat. So we're we're getting away from the farming more into the habitat area. Well, that's pretty cool. And so you mean when you say habitat, you mean not like habitat for humanity for people. You're talking about you're growing crops that will help. Help the animals, animals basically. The, the deer, the turkey, the pheasants, the wildlife out there primarily. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that we have a, a desire to do is there's been so little of that in Illinois, and we're starting to make a big comeback now in the wildlife area. So That is pretty cool. Have you ever experienced any crop circles? That's my next question for anybody who has any uh, uh, no, dealings with No, we haven't. haven't. That's where you're – is that <laughs> – when somebody comes from outer space, to, yeah, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> U- UFOs dropping down, putting in the yeah, you know no. signs in your crop fields, and that. Kind no, of thing. no, but I have a I have a neighbor who claims that he did see a UFO at one point, and he's pretty closed-lipped about it. I think we all he thinks we all think he's crazy, but I suppose it's possible. That's pretty interesting. See, you're just any day now. You're probably going to have a crop circle. You know, that's the first step is the sighting, and now you're going to have uh, a crop circle. In there. I'll look for it. Absolutely, yeah. We'll, we'll be aware of it. Now. How freaked out would you be if you did walk out one? morning and the stalks are all laid down in a pattern like that you know could you imagine walking through and seeing that i think somebody no. would be yeah playing a big joke on us is uh-huh. what that would really amount to i'm putting it on my list to come out there and now play a joke <laughs> on you because i okay. want to see what your reaction would be <laughs> see now if you have one you're going to think of walter i know that's I know. right blame him. Now, oh, now the police are going to come looking for me too for damaging your crops <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah. I've set myself up for failure here instigating exactly well i have a feeling you'd have a sense of urgency to figure out why you had a crop circle if that indeed ever happened to you and is that not the world's best segue to today's conversation about <laughs> you're good walter <laughs> why is this why they pay me the big bucks why you should plan for retirement with a sense of urgency as well just like if you discovered a crop circle on your farm i think you know barbara and phil it's because some people in fact i think we could say most people here they find it easy to procrastinate when it comes to financial planning i'm certainly in this boat i'm a lifelong procrastinator i do my best work at the 11th hour in many times. At least that's the way I like to think about it, even though it's probably not true. I want to talk about some of the scenarios that might cause people to have a bit more urgency. Maybe this will move somebody kind of off the pot if they're a little stuck in their financial life or they're kind of in that crowd of procrastination. 
maybe we can spark somebody into action today by covering a couple of different examples here of why this kind of stuff happens. The first one's kind of obvious. We actually had a, a listener question about this last week that kind of uh, you know tees up nicely into this conversation as well today. The loss of a job, that's a pretty good you know, motivator for somebody to kind of get their financial house in order pretty quickly and plan with a sense of urgency, right? Exactly, Walter. I, I'll tell you what, that's really important for me to address at this stage of the game because, uh, you know, it's a generational occurrence. And what I mean by that is, you know, saving money now for retirement is more crucial today for millennials and Gen Xers than it was for Barbara and I. We're baby boomers and my grandkids later. Why is this? You know, and what we found is studies have shown that the average amount of time a millennial spends at the same job is only 2.4 years. 2.4 years. That's wow. all that, that's what they find. Baby boomers, by comparison, spend an average of eight years at the job. So the possibility of a job change due to either layoffs, cutbacks, greater technology, overseas outsourcing can leave a bigger hole in the continuity of accumulating retirement funds. And also in the private sector, pension plans are being eliminated yearly. As an example, now only 4% of private companies offer a pension plan. 4% as opposed to back in the 1980s, it was 60%. And of those 4% companies that offer a pension plan, only 14% of them offer both, either a pension and a 401k plan together. So there is greater reason today for the younger generation to save than ever before. So here's my suggestions as far as saving for retirement with the possibility of a job loss hanging over your head. Number one, you need to create an emergency fund that tides you over when you are in between jobs, whether you've quit or you're in between uh, jobs voluntarily or they've laid you off, whatever the reason is, you've got to have money to tie you over. Secondly, take advantage of maximizing your company's 401k or defined contribution plan with who you are at right now, whether they contribute to the plan or not. And the reason I ask that, I say that is because I've had people come into this office in times past and say, and I'd ask them, have you contributed to your company pension plan, your 401k plan? They'd say, no. I'd ask them the reason they'd say, because my company has not contributed to it. They haven't kicked in money. And therefore, I'm not going to put any my money away either. Well, understand that this basically is to your benefit. Okay. This is your money. And be aware of the fact that this ain't your grandpa's economy any longer. You've got to basically fend for yourself. You must adopt the old motto. If it's to be, it's up to me. Would you agree with that, Barb? Yes, for sure. You know, it's your retirement someday. Mm -hmm. So the uh, company is not required to give you anything. It's actually, in fact, a gift if they do. But I think most of our, our listeners are probably baby boomer age. And so now is a good time to determine where you're at and where you need to be. Because if you look at the average 401k plan for baby boomers, it's under, it's well under $100,000. So meet with somebody, determine where you are and determine where you need to be so that you can do that with your next job. It's a really important thing to think about when you lose a job, let that be a sense of urgency that pops up into your brain, into your mind that you need to get something done when it comes to financial planning. And just think about how much easier it would have been to navigate through that problem had you had a plan in place to begin with. So Absolutely. Consider yeah. that. That's the loss of a job. Certainly one thing that would provide a sense of urgency when it comes to planning. I think we could also throw this into the list, Barbara and Phil, and that would be a rapidly approaching retirement date. This still sounds a little bit like procrastination to me, but at least you're not waiting maybe to the week of. We could define rapidly approaching, you know, a little bit differently here. 
<laughs> I'll take that one because I see this quite often. Actually, it's definitely a sense of urgency. So how close to retirement? Well, we have actually have people come in to see us that are retiring in the same year and actually within months of retirement. So the sooner the better, but the best scenario is three to five years of retirement. And we often find that when we're designing retirement plans that someone may have to work a little bit longer. They may have to cut back on their current expenses or really, really work hard at contributing to their current 401ks. And I see that quite often. People are having to make tweaks to the plans that we're designing now for three to five years out. So if you're retiring the same year and you're going to seek professional help, you're kind of under the gun there. But oftentimes people don't think about these things until they're ready to retire and then they're not prepared. People think they'll be in a lower tax bracket when they retire. And oftentimes that's not the case. You'll be collecting social security benefits. You'll be drawing down in retirement accounts. You may have a pension, et cetera. But even if you are in a lower bracket, you can't control what Congress is going to do with increasing taxes in the future. So if you retire and you're between the ages of 59 and 70 and a half, there's a lot of tax planning that can be done for you to pay taxes today at a lower rate before you're required to take money out at 70 and a half and at the same time create tax-free income for your retirement. So for anyone that's retiring sooner than three years from now, give us a call. We'll give you some pointers on what you should be doing to prepare. You know, the, the biggest concern I have, especially for younger people, is they don't really understand how much money, how much or how little they need to put out into a retirement plan. And we always say, you know, uh, time will be on your side if you get started right now. So the amount of money that you have to put into a 401k plan for yourself at age 25 is much different from what you'd have to do if you started at age 50. The sad fact of life, Barb and I often see people come into the office and they're maybe 60 to 65 years of age and they've got $40,000, $50,000, $70,000. The other day, somebody came in with $75,000 and said, you know, we're trying to save for retirement. Well, we have to be the bearer of bad news to them because they've underfunded their retirement. They missed the opportunity. Time has passed them by as far as compound interest is concerned. That's not on their side. So unless they hit the, the jackpot, the lottery, go to the slots or whatever, I can't see them really formulating an adequate amount of resource uh, through a funded retirement plan at that point. So underfunding their retirement is very important. You have to understand the numbers. You have to see how much compound interest will affect your account over the years. And you'd be surprised how little you'd have to put away when you start early enough. Yeah, for those people that came in this last week, that's the sad news is that they're not going to be retiring. I mean, they're not going to be no. retiring anytime soon if they're, what'd you say, they're in their mid to late 60s? They were, they were in their mid 60s, yes. So mm -hmm. they'll be working for a long time because it's what, what do they say? I mean, I don't know what their situation is, but there's an old saying that savers are savers and spenders are spenders. And I mean, I still have a mm -hmm. lot of clients in retirement that are saving money. They're still saving money when they accumulate a fair amount of money in their savings or checking, then they want to invest that. No, but they have the habit. They built the habit of saving for themselves. And it really is a habit. It's a habit-driven type of either success or failure. Yeah. Well, that's the certainly a reason to kind of get you moving if you have that rapidly approaching retirement date. This next one is a subject nobody likes to talk about, guys, but it's an important one to bring up whenever we kind of go down this route, and that's the death of a spouse. That's going to certainly make somebody plan with some urgency if they have procrastinated to that point, because when that event occurs, as sad as it is, it also brings with it tons and tons of decisions that need to be made, right? Oh, this is a difficult topic to address, Walter, and to do it properly because, and I'm going to address it in a little different pattern here. Losing a spouse is one of those 
items on the on the list of the, of the 10 most devastating events that occur during our lifetime. Losing a spouse is devastating, but I can think of two scenarios that we've experienced over my career where we've seen the loss of a spouse, and I'm going to address both. The first one is more catastrophic, and that's premature death. When a spouse dies at a young age and leaves behind a young family, they have bills to pay, mortgages, there's unfulfilled hopes and dreams. And we've all known somebody this has happened to. A young man uh, you know, has young children, wife gets killed or has a catastrophic illness and dies. You know, If this happens, it often leads to, from that point forward, a hand-to-mouth existence for those that are left behind. That's the worst case scenario. Or even at the best stage, it could be paycheck to paycheck. It might be a little bit more fortunate, but the burden is on survival and paying the bills by the surviving spouse. So they don't even think in terms of building a nest egg for their future. It's not really in their list of priorities. Now, this situation can be handled with the adequate amount of life insurance to cover needs. I find that more emphasis is often placed on putting money away into a 401k plan when they're in 20s and 30s, which they need to do, than there is on the possibility of premature death, and they have to plan for both. So I would rather see people putting money aside into life insurance in those early years that's going to buy them time to accumulate an estate for themselves so that the life insurance is dropped later because they've got the resources in their 401k plan. The second situation is, is losing a spouse later in life. And when a spouse passes away, we could potentially lose that static income. The Social Security would be reduced, or the pension could either be reduced or even go away completely. And that can have a devastating effect on the surviving spouse in retirement. The lifestyle has completely changed. Maybe the quality of life has changed. Uh, My own example was my mother and dad. Dad became ill at age 55 and ended up in a nursing home, and uh, he passed away at age 65. So my mother had to reenter the workforce at age 50 to pay the bills and support my younger brother at that time. When mom retired, there wasn't much left in the retirement funds because of of nursing home expenses and uh, loss of dad's income when he passed away. So here's the bottom line that I see. it. And yes, we are a wealth accumulation, a wealth management firm. Part of the retirement planning process is to make sure that you have enough insurance in place to adequately offset the possibility of early death or even death at a later age or nursing home. So planning for retirement should not exclude buying life insurance or also buying long-term care insurance because you want to preserve those assets at a later date. And that's some of the best advice I could give in terms of, of a premature death or death of a spouse is we have to be able to cover those contingencies. Barb, what do you think? Yeah, I just had a guy come in uh, two weeks ago and his wife unexpectedly died in March and he just retired in January. So his plans are all out the window. He's, hmm. you know, for anything that they're planning on doing. So that's unfortunate. But the first thing I think about when this does happen later in life is changing your beneficiaries. Hmm. You know, we're mm-hmm. big on making sure that you have contingent beneficiaries set up in case something happens to both spouses at the same time, but change beneficiary designations after the death of a spouse. And I have quite a few clients that are widows, and I spend a lot of time with them 
when their husband passes because, well, we're pretty good about having both spouses coming in, you know, the, to any of our planning right, and our right. sessions and reviews, but it's still one person or the other that controls the finances. And typically that's the husband. So I'll spend a great deal of time with the wife because now all of a sudden she's got this work that needs to be done and it's overwhelming. And sometimes if they do have a kid that's close by, you know, lives in the same town or the, at least in the same state, I suggest that they come with, at least it's another, it's another set of ears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, one of the questions I have is why is it that it seems like the husband always has the greater interest in handling the finances versus the wife? Not always, but Barb, don't you find it pretty <laughs> typical? It is pretty typical. Although I do, it does go one way or the other because I do have wives that control it all. And the guys are whatever she says, you know, she t handles it all, talk to her, she takes care of it. And so it's specifically the wife, but more times than not, it is true. It is, it is the husband. I guess maybe it's a division of labor. You know, whatever one does well, they do. Yeah. You know, that's okay. And she probably does the cooking. So who knows? <laughs> Pro probably, <laughs> probably the whole uh, opposite attract, opposites attract thing, right? True. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, one always does seem to be more into it than maybe the other, whether it's just because they have the skill, maybe both have the skills. I, I know I've heard couples talk about that before as well. They have each have the skill to manage the money, let's say, but because it just is easier to have one person be in charge of it, they'll still kind of divide and conquer that way. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Or I have some too of the wives that will say to me that, you know, I just don't have any interest in this. I don't know anything about what you're talking about. I just don't, it doesn't, I don't care. But we still encourage them to come and be a part of the process because the more you hear, the more you learn, right? Yeah, I think so that, that part of it is that, excuse me, Barb, but you know, part of it is that, you know, if the wife or the husband, whoever the the one in the backseat, so to speak, where they are sitting, at least they have somebody they know they can turn to to trust with the right answers if that time ever comes up. And that's really important. They feel very much at peace to know, well, they can turn to Barb, they can turn to Phil or Philip here at the firm and know that they're going to get get help if that day occurs. Yeah, you know, I think there's a statistic out there that's pretty high, actually, that when a husband passes, because he generally controls the finances, that the wives leave the financial firm. And we just don't really have that no, here. No, so not at we're, all. we're fortunate. They might not both be interested if one controls it, but they're usually both present. And, and we don't have them leaving the firm because of a death. So I guess we're fortunate there. Yes, we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, and it just shows that you're including everybody in the process, which I think is, you know, overlooked. The importance of that is often overlooked. And there's mm -hmm. a difference between not being interested in it, but still being involved in the process. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being involved needs to be the minimum, it sounds like. We're talking about, of course, on today's program, the urgency that we might plan with, the cases that kind of force us to stop procrastinating with our finances. And this is the biggie. This is the last one. We saw this a ton in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. A big market crash gets everybody, Barbara and Phil, moving Get me out, quickly. get me out. Yes, yes, exactly. Would there ever be a sense of urgency? Phil, would, would there ever be a sense of urgency with a market crash? Oh, my gosh. No. Oh, my <laughs> so, gosh. Well, just listen nope. to CNBC. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like listening to a, it's like a financial sports telecast station is what it's like, you know, blow by blow, moment by moment. The talking heads. Yes. Well, you know, it may make people uncomfortable, especially if the stock market drops 20% or more. But just remember this. It will not last forever. And if you're well diversified, then you don't need to worry. When you have goals for your retirement, because your retirement should be based on, you know, a 30-year plan, what you want to do in retirement, then the stock market movement is all part of that plan. 
It's called volatility, and that number is already factored into your lifelong retirement plan. So the news is random, and the stock market responds to news, whether it's the trade wars or interest rate hikes or taxes, the elections. News is random, so therefore the stock market is random. But don't panic, because what happens when you panic? You behave irrationally. The stock market always, I shouldn't say always, the stock market very quickly recovers, generally speaking, most of the time within one year. Most of the time, it's within that very next year. So if we go back and look in history, going all the way back to the Korean War, the S&P was down 15%, the very next year up 36%. The crash of 87, down 26%, up 16%. This is the S&P 500. Hurricane Katrina, down 2%, next year up 10%. We had the Chinese stock market crash, so the S&P 500 here was down 12%. The next year, S&P was up 16%. And last year, we had, of course, trade wars and interest rate concerns. So the S&P was down about 10% in four weeks. And that probably occurred in December. But right now, the stock market is up 17%. So they do gyrate all the time. You have to just turn off NBC, NBC and listening to stock market picks and market timing. They're all wrong. And they don't know. What they're there to do is to sell one thing, and that's news based on fear. So don't buy into it. And if you're retired, don't panic and do something irrational that's going to change your whole retirement plan. Call your financial advisor at that point. Well, yeah, it, it, we use a concept here at the firm called evidence-based investing. In other words, you have to look at the facts. You have to look at why markets went down, but more importantly, why they didn't stay down. Why do they come back? And it's because these companies that have the stock in the market produce real product, real services. They're producing commodities, they're producing lights, cars, gasoline, things that we need on an everyday basis. So are they really going away? If the stock market were to, to collapse, you know, that is something that basically is a, a schizophrenic, paranoid type of behavior. I mean, it's just that happens on a goofy basis day by day. But the bottom line is that the companies that are under that particular stock umbrella really are strong companies. They're in business to make a profit. If they weren't going to make a profit, they'd be out of business. And so they have to look at the evidence. They have to understand how stock works, why it works the way it does, and why it's really the greatest investment conceived by man in the history of, of mankind. Yeah, for every buyer, there's a seller. For every seller, there's a buyer. Sometimes exactly. there's just more sellers in a down market than there are buyers. But that's why it's temporary. Yeah. In fact, they said that really, I mean, a down market is the opportunity for stocks to revert back to their rightful owners. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Buying time. Mm -hmm. Well, all of these examples on today's show, certainly the loss of a job, the death of a spouse, that rapidly approaching retirement day, or maybe a market crash, they get your brain thinking, they get your brain spinning, and they get you kind of thinking with a sense of urgency when it comes to your financial plan. And I think the big answer to the question, you know, why? Why plan with a sense of urgency? Why can't, you know, like back in college, can I write my paper the night before it's due, you know, until 5 a.m. and, you know, hit the submit button just in time? Why can't you also do retirement planning that way? Well, with each of these scenarios, I think you kind of see examples of how you'd most certainly be better off if you had your ducks in a row before the big event occurs. And that's why you've got to stop procrastinating. These are the things that get people to start taking action. Just think if you took action before these big things happened in your life, how much easier it would be to get through these major life events. And then you can deal with stuff like the death of a spouse, just from the emotional standpoint. You don't have to also figure out the financial stuff right. while that's happening. Right. And again, we can apply that line of thinking to 
any of these elements. Well, if you've got questions about anything we've talked about on today's show, want to walk through your own financial plan with Phil and Barbara, get an opinion on how well you're prepared for retirement. Are you procrastinating a little bit? Need some help planning with a sense of urgency? Phil and Barbara can certainly help you with that. Go to pathfinderwealth.com. That's pathfinderwealth.com. We'll put a link to the site in the description of today's show. So no matter what podcast app you're listening to the program on, you can easily access the website. Or you can give a call, 815-399-9806 is the number. That's 815-399-9806. Phil and Barbara, thank you so much for joining us once again on the show. Another great podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yep, thanks. Thanks, Have a good week, Walter. Had a lot of fun. That's Phil and Barbara. I'm Walter. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you right back here on The Retirement Pathfinder. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.